Welcome to the Double Shot. My name is Ray. I'm here with Candice Briglib. Hi, Candice. Well, hello, Ray. How are you doing? Fantastic. Awesome. How about, how about yourself? Oh, I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Did you know that uh, tonight there is going to be a full moon that is red? Can I be taught? Can I? Yeah, a super moon, right? <laughs> super moon. Yeah, it is what January thirtieth, twenty eighteen. Yeah, so I um, I got up pretty early this morning. Mm-hmm. Well, six around six, which feels incredibly early to me, <laughs> and went for a run. And the moon was still out, and it looked like a full moon. And it was absolutely phenomenal. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Good start to the day. It's hard yeah, to have yeah. a bad day after that. No, that seems like a really good start for the day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I would have, if I would have tripped after seeing the moon, it could have been a bad day. <laughs> Anyways, there's so many things you want to talk about. What it's true. is it? It's true. I have quite a list. This week, I was hoping we could talk about <clears throat> um, the standard ebooks project that I've been uh, I've been uh, trying to get involved with. Why are you laughing? Are I you wanted laughing? to make the same joke. Uh huh. What was the joke? <laughs> That'll be a real page turner. <laughs> Okay. It's going to make me laugh every time. Um, so, uh, let me just start. T- yeah, tell us about the yeah, project. Yeah, let me start by talking about this project. Those so, of us who have no idea what it is. So, many years ago, um, a project called Project Gutenberg was launched. Many, many years ago. Uh, decades, probably. And that is a volunteer project to basically make digital versions of public domain books. Um, You know, it's unclear sometimes when something is in the public domain, but everything on there is basically, I I think generally if it's, if it's from before 1922 right now, I don't remember the exact rules, but um, there are, there are a lot of books on project Gutenberg and a lot of them a lot of them have been uh, are, are translated into different um, mediums so that people can read them for free. So, for instance, uh, my kids, one of my kids likes the Wizard of Oz books, of which there are a startling number. They're all public domain because they're all so old. So I can actually download them all for free through iBooks. Mm-hmm. They're not... They're not like official Project Gutenberg versions, but you can just go to the Gutenberg website and read them, any of them. There's thousands of books on there. One of my kids likes that too. Yeah. Yes, it's funny. Um, uh, So, so over the years... I think the biggest complaint about Project Gutenberg books is that they're ugly. They're not typeset properly. They don't look like a book you would buy in a store. You mean you can't buy them in a store, but um, for someone who cares about like proper punctuation and typesetting and things like that, they're they're not that great. I still read them, even though I care more than just about anyone I know about whether quotes are curly enough or whether hyphens are long enough. So. People have rectified that different ways over the years. There's some apps you can get, some apps that I've owned in the past that kind of like automatically make quotes curly and stuff with those books so that you can read them without feeling sick to your stomach. But the latest attempt is not an app. It's a online 
project called the Standard Ebooks Project, which is trying to collect volunteers to take those books and put in a lot more work to come up with something that is significantly better than what is out there. With me so far? Sure. <laughs> so, so I decided to try doing The Wizard of Oz because none of the Oz books are on there. And maybe if that one worked out, I'd do the rest of them because I would love to be... My kids will... Our kids will read these <laughs> as many times as I am willing to read them to them. They're strange books and there's so many of them that I thought that'd be good. I'm very familiar with the text. I have a reprint of the original Wizard of Oz so I can mm -hmm. actually... They want you to compare it to like the source... The original printing to make sure that it's scanned correctly because a lot of the ones on Gutenberg are kind of automated and there's lots of errors. Sometimes there's five different versions of a book. You go so through it. how yeah. you decided to. Yeah, so do I went on book. the website, yeah. looked, there was no Wizard of Oz. So I thought, well, okay, so how do I volunteer? I read up on the website about how you do that, and apparently you just join the mailing list and express your intention to do that book. I wasn't sure if I really wanted to do it, so I decided to just get started and see if it made sense, mm. and if I really, before I even, you know, told someone yeah. about that. I have a, I have a feeling something is going to go awry. No, not at all. Nothing. This is the right call. So I spent <laughs> an afternoon playing around with the tool chain, and I, I can handle it because it does a lot. You do, a, you work with it like you kind of do with web design, where you kind of have to know how to run things in the command line and how to get things off of GitHub and all that, all that kind of stuff. It requires some technical knowledge. Right. Not anyone could just volunteer to do this. It's pretty technical. And you go through this like 20 step process where like one step is kind of running it through this automated thing that makes your quotes curly, for example. But then you have to go through your version control tool to just double check all of that before you commit those changes. Like, did it do that correctly? Yes, it did. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, are the hyphens corrected? And then it'll try to correct the s spellings of words that are no longer useful. Like, there are some spellings that are outmoded in these books, and they want you to update them to contemporary spellings, so it makes more sense to a modern reader. Tons of steps like this. Um, you know, you can't have too many line breaks and things. It has to be formatted a certain way. Ultimately, you're formatted in HTML, like a web page, and that's how an ebook is 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 created. So I do all of this, and this is a many-hour-long process. And then, of course, you have to proofread the whole book, which I, I do intend on doing basically in the form of reading to the kids. And if I find errors, I'll note them. But so far, everything seems really accurate, although it is a cumbersome process. But um, in, in order to collaborate, tell people you're, gonna work, you're working on that book and so forth, you have to join a mailing list, which I don't know about you, but I haven't been on a mailing list for many, many years. I mean, Google has a web interface that you can use, but it still seems like you'd expect a Slack channel or something mm -hmm. at this in this day and age. I'm on a ton of mailing lists, but those are automatically joined when you purchase something. But you're talking about a mailing list where people are <coughs> having conversations. Yeah, not a... Right. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. This is a little different. Um, okay. A discussion list. I'm with you so far. Yeah. So... 
so it the the process is, is seems a little more technical already and the mailing list I'm not super happy with it's I feel awkward in those mailing lists it feels very old but I express that I'm gonna work on the book that I've started to work on the book and I ask a few questions and, and they're very helpful the person who runs the project is a seems like a really cool guy um, but the biggest hang-up that I ran into was weirdly finding cover art so they want you to use public domain art that is oil paintings. So basically something from before 1922 that is an oil to fit in with the style of the rest of the books. Which kind of makes sense. Publishers often choose a particular style for their covers. I get that. But in you can't just pick one that you was clear I, I found one that i thought looked pretty cool it had a rainbow in it you know the wizard mm-hmm. of oz more of the rainbow that was painted by someone three and a half centuries ago so i figure it's probably fair game but i can't find the specific requirement is that you find a book that was published before 1922 that includes a discussion and a print of that art and i can't do that in fact, I'm not really sure how to do that with any art. It's really, I mean, they, they freely express in the mailing list that that's the hardest part oftentimes. But in my mind, it maybe isn't the best choice because now it's this huge stumbling block mm-hmm. for me to move forward. Like, they're very strict about this. And I don't really know how to find a print of a book from before 1922 that satisfies this requirement. And so I'm kind of like, kind of want to just throw my hands up and say, all right, I just don't really want to do this anymore. And it, it seems ridiculous. Um, a couple of people on the mailing list made some suggestions, but they all involve hunting down books that have, like they suggested other art works I might try. So I have a few suggestions that have rainbows in them, for instance, but it seems like a lot of work that's completely unrelated to the task at hand, which is producing an ebook. Like, maybe if there was a pile of a thousand images that were already vetted, you could just pick one from and get going. That might help. But as it stands, I kind of feel like giving up. And it seems weird because I don't care what the cover looks like. I would be happy for someone else to pick a cover, but they're not willing to do that. So... Where does that leave me? And finally, you know, the truth is, I care a lot about how the book is typeset. But I don't necessarily agree with all the requirements of this. I honestly don't like the idea of updating the spelling of words from the way the author intended. I actually disagree with a lot of the tenets of this project. I honestly think that if an author wrote a word with a different spelling, that you should keep it. Do you think that maybe it's that there are a few things as you were going along that you thought, huh, I don't I don't actually want to change this from the original author's intention or right. started to have these feelings. And maybe they were sort of building up, building up, and then when you hit this requirement that was difficult, like the changing of the spelling, it wasn't a difficult, it was just sort of something you probably thought, huh. I wouldn't have chosen that, but okay. 
But then you hit a difficulty and kind of all of those other things start to add weight to perhaps this isn't a good fit for me. That maybe if you were like knowing you as I do, (laughs) I feel like if you were enthusiastic about it all and you were super excited and, you know, as you were going through, you were like, yes, this makes sense. This is actually how I would want to, you know, take a take a book and and you're right at the end and you end up with a this one issue you would find a way around it sure i mean no that's a great point i mean it's kind of like when the when the things that you don't necessarily see eye to eye about like those i they they weren't they didn't require extra work like yeah. The the thing that, that, that suggests modern versions of words is basically an automated tool as part of this mm-hmm. toolkit. So that's fine. Like putting the repo up, putting the project up on GitHub for that person to look at, easy. I do this stuff all day long. But having to hunt down artwork with a, a very strange set of constraints with is not part of any automated tool set. There's no clear instructions on how to do it, just restrictions on what you you can do and so it suddenly feels like all of the joy is kind of sucked out of the room i think the air is sucked out of the room but the joy went with it (laughs) were you doing this to find joy or were you doing this because you love this book and you wanted it to be part of the archive of this project or i I, obviously the answer is both well but well, one of the things that I know is how much these books bring joy to you and that you chose this particular book because it's meaningful to you and your daughters that you have read it and you wanted to make it easier for other people to have that experience. Is this is this in, is this is this stopgap? I mean, you've made it like you basically can see the top of the mountain. You're basically so close to it. The truth is, is this gonna stop the truth you? is that I could slap whatever cover I want on it, produce the ebook with the tools that are there, put it on my iPad, and reap the benefits of reading it to my children with nice typography tonight. Right, but only you. Yeah. Right. Because it can't be accepted in that project and hence shared with the rest of the universe unless the cover meets those requirements. And Well, Ray, I'm sure you know what I'm going to say. I don't. Just suck it up and find a cover. Are you? you <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I would. I mean, the amount of time and effort that you've put into this and the intention that you came, came with, I think... Um, Perhaps you could document what you went through to find the cover and suggest some updates to their documentation, such as these things would have been helpful to know, or I found these resources. Perhaps you could add that to your documentation so that people in the future don't have this issue. But So let me ask you a, a, a follow-up question then. <laughs> if, if it is this, if it is... If I get to the end of this process and I'm not really feeling joy overall, Mm -hmm. not really feeling that it's worth it, but I, I, let's say that in theory, I do finish this up, get a, get an acceptable cover and 
submitted and it goes out. Like in my position, would you do the other eleven books that uh, um, that Baum wrote in the series? Um, no. Maybe if they'd let me use the same cover for all of them. <laughs> I I think that uh, putting that book out there and perhaps realizing that overall it's not the place you want to continue volunteering over time. Mm -hmm. Because if you're volunteering time and time again for something, then you should be invested in it and be excited about it. And and it's not just the art that's stopping you. It's, it's some actual philosophical differences with the way that they're archiving these books. But to, to put a book that you love out there and to finish that, you know, there's something about sometimes just pushing yourself. Of course, you know, I've been running. So in my mind, there's just this, like, I think about, like, at the very end of running, sometimes I just feel really tired. And I know that no- nobody will stop me if I just start walking. Mm-hmm. No one will know. Mm-hmm. But then I just try to, like, push through and make it through the end of that run. And I feel like you're kind of in that place where here's where you just... Tell yourself, I've done this much work. I am going to finish this, and then I'm going to wrap it up, send it off, and be done, and have that so off in your, of your mind, chest. Part of the reason for finishing is to finish. Yes, and that I should do that because it's just a good habit to have. Yes, I think I think having goals and finishing them, whether you find adversity during, yeah, the process. I think telling yourself you have to finish. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be a part of something over and over again. You can say, okay, done. That's good. Like but- at this point, I know the end product won't be rewarding, but the journey might still be the reward. <laughs> I'm kind of joking. Um, yes, it's it's good to get in the habit of finishing finishing things. And sometimes finishing is difficult. And um, it just makes you a better person. You know, person. I will say there's there's probably three real reasons why I wanted to do this. One is, as I said, I care about the typography and having Mm -hmm. a really good version of this book out for free. Yeah. Um, Two is because I feel like I'm really well qualified to do this work because I have a designer's eye for typography and I'm able to understand how the tools work. And a lot, most people wouldn't be able to do that. The third is that back in the nineties, I, Yes. <laughs> I did a project like this, kind of, where I I volunteered for the Linux documentation project to document an operating system that was free. Um, and I did that because I wanted free software to be held more on the same level as things like Microsoft Windows. And I thought that was a way I could help because I was not like a programmer who was going to contribute to the Linux kernel. But I was a guy who could write. So what I wrote was the X window user how to Um, basically a guide for someone who wanted to use the graphical interface as they were using windows. And it was a really, it was a really fun project to do and it ended up being really useful for a lot of people and printed in a lot of free books and documentation things. And it was a, I ranked very highly in Google for some weird things for ages for that. But 
like I got to write that. I felt like I I didn't I don't to my recollection I didn't hit any roadblocks. There was no formal process. It was kind of like the community there was so grateful to have someone just just do that mm-hmm. that it felt like very rewarding. You know, it's like the truth is I don't really think I'm going to feel that way about having done this project. You know, I think I'm realizing it's not like there, there's not going to be any fanfare. I mean, let me put it this way. I could have actually made some good money from that because I was offered shares of one of the Linux companies that went public then because I had volunteered so much time. And it was like IPO pricing. And I actually would have made a ton of money had I bought those shares that they offered me. Mm -hmm. So in retrospect, so like nothing like that's going to happen from doing this, but. Ooh, you have a quite a history of turning down. Uh, are you gonna bring up my Bitcoin sale? <laughs> uh, no, <sighs> no, true. I wasn't gonna. That's true. No, you're right. You're right. Well, we were just talking about this last night. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you do not like to have constraints, and you do not like to have rules, and you definitely do not like to be. Uh, well. How can I say this? You enjoy being the person in charge, creating your own way. And so there's also something to learn every once in a while from joining a collaborative project and needing to be a part of a team, which means you can't do it all exactly the way that you want to do it. So in this book project, the rules have already been established Mm -hmm. and there's a team of people and they're all working together to create something that looks cohesive and so you're becoming a part of that Mm -hmm. and so you don't get to choose how the language is Mm -hmm. translated or what the covers look like and you know this is something that I mean, you there don't were, do often. Yeah, at this I mean, point. there were rules in that other thing, but they were like so loose by comparison. You yeah, know, this is you're right. This is definitely an established process and series of tools and format. And I appreciate that about the project. Like, I mm-hmm. it shows the books are really well done. Do you know? Um, I thought you were going to say that you did all that work, and then they told you that you couldn't because you didn't write the email first. Oh, and I right, was thinking right. when I was in um, when I was in grad school, there was an assignment, and it was a term paper, and it was basically like pick pick a subject and you know write about it. It was uh, in linguistics, and I um, but I remember on the first day, the teacher saying, "When you pick your subject, just stop by and let me know what it is, and um, you know work on it." And it had never hit me that that was a formal requirement. I mean, I heard her say it, mm-hmm. but I took it as more of a would love to hear what you're doing right. kind of thing. Yeah. And so I worked all quarter on that. And uh, I I turned it in and she called me in and she said um, that I was likely going to fail the class. And I asked her, like, why when I turned in this great piece of research and I worked so hard on it and she said it doesn't count because you didn't get the permission to follow this topic right and so it's not an approved paper oh my god and 
And uh, it, so it turns out she did ultimately allow me to submit, but I forget that she basically took either one or two full grades off of the paper. Like she let me pass the class, but it was not. Wow. I mean, it was basically an A paper. I believe I got a C on it so I could still, or B minus, whatever it was. She basically said, I'll give you the lowest passing grade. And that was it. That was That's so, awful. Well, maybe. Except that I am always really good now about sure. noticing yeah. the details yeah. of things. And so while it, it seemed like kind of a horror at the time, <laughs> um, it did impress upon me the need to... I had an actual... Another experience like that, I was in, I was a tag kid. Um, and our first day, they, they would pick us all up at our schools and they would bus us to this place. And um, we would be in a classroom with a bunch of tag strangers. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first day, they handed us this paper and they said, okay, we're going to time you on how quick you are. And, you know, we're all trying to be like the smart kid or we're stressed out. And so it's like, do these 20 things. And the first thing says, read this entire paper um, before following any of the directions. Then loop back and follow them. And so, and some of the directions are like, yell hello. Like the, the number three is like, yell hello. And so you're like starting to read through, but then you hear people yelling hello and you're like, oh my God, I'm so behind. So you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm just going to start doing these things. And they're all very vocal and loud and whatever. And the whole group is doing it. And then the last one is now stop, do not go back and do any of these things and just raise your hand silently. So it's like all of us were just doing these ridiculous things when um, it's just kind of like very, very public shaming. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) That's awesome. And that kind of stuck with me, too. I guess it didn't stick with me so much. Right. So um, when you said step one was X and I skipped it, I was like, oh, God. Oh, no. I know what happens when you do that. There's horrible things. Yeah. No, that's that's and. To be fair, if I was, as I did with that other documentation project, if I were writing, if I were putting 80 hours of work into writing comprehensive documentation, I definitely would have checked first. And I did with that one. I remember asking, uh, is the is someone already doing the X window, which is basically like the graphical user interface? Mm-hmm. Is someone already doing a, a X window how-to? And they were like, yes, someone's already doing that. And I'm like, hmm... Well, I'll do the X window user how to, and they said, "Great, do that." So, you know, but I did check first. But this mm-hmm. one, it was like, honestly, I just wanted I was the whole, I consider this whole thing just a test to see if it if I, you know, really wanted to even do this. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't wait to see your book. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think that's enough uh, for this week. Uh, Stay tuned. Next week, you'll find out if Ray ever finished the book project or not. And, you know, we'll have another insightful conversation, right? Of course. I'll be here. Of course. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. All right. Bye, Candace. Bye, Ray.